Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here on the Steel Curtain Network, part of Fans First Sports Network. Thank you for joining me. It is Wednesday. Happy Hump Day, everyone. Not a lot to discuss in terms of news. We do have a full show for you, though, in the second half. You know what it is. It's the mailbag segment. We have questions from you, the Ride or Die crew. I'm going to answer all those, every single one of them. And in the first half, well, we got a lot to decipher about this upcoming 2023 rookie class. We're trying to set some realistic expectations here. The only news bit I want to talk about is I posted this on the Steel Curtain Network Twitter feed. So if you don't follow us, go to Twitter. Just search Steel Curtain Network. Give us a follow. We appreciate it. I shared this, and I think I retweeted it from my own personal account. It was the video that Kenny Pickett put on his Instagram feed from his wedding. Beautiful wedding. Beautiful from the decorations. It looked like everyone had a freaking fantastic time. Looked like a complete banger. That's exactly what it looked like. And when I say a banger, it looked like a party. And so good for him. You know, they, they enjoyed themselves at the wedding. I couldn't watch this, though. And maybe go and check it out first. Go to the Twitter feed. Watch the video. And ask yourself this. As you're listening to the music that has set to the video, it's only about a minute and a half long at the max. Ask yourself, um, are you just, I, I, this was me. This is just me though. I was waiting for this, like a Steelers highlight reel to start. You know, they're walking down the aisle and next, you know, Kenny Pickett scoring his first NFL touchdown, spiking the ball, pumped up against the New York Jets. That's what I was expecting. It's like the music in the scene. It just, it just felt like it was going straight into football, which made it funny for me, but ultimately Kenny Pickett's married now, so sorry all you ladies out there, all you Stiller fans who love some Kenny Pickett. He is officially off the market. So make sure you check out that video. Make sure you're following us wherever you get your social media desires. Just search Steel Curtain Network. That's on Twitter. That's YouTube, Facebook. We want to get those Facebook numbers up. I know a lot of y'all use Facebook. Go find us, Steel Curtain Network. Follow the page. We appreciate it. You'll find that wedding video there as well. All right, let's get to this podcast here today. We're talking about realistic expectations, but before we talk about the 2023 class, I kind of wanted to go back, and after a full calendar year, I wanted to try and figure out, like, what were the expectations for the 2022 class individually, and were we as a fan base right or wrong setting those expectations? Let's figure it out, shall we? You start off with Kenny Pickett, obviously. Kenny Pickett being the number one overall pick, 20th overall. He was the Steelers' first overall pick, not the overall number one pick. The 20th overall draft pick. I know that every single individual who follows the Steelers had a different feel, a different vibe, a different expectation for Kenny Pickett last season. You had people like myself who initially after the pick were like, man, what's this going to look like? All of a sudden, you start hearing some good reports, and then your mind starts thinking, let's just get him out there. Let's see what we can, let's see what he can do, right? Well, didn't happen. Week four, halftime, we know how that happened. Nonetheless, I think the expectations were pretty fair. We all kind of assumed he was going to play at some point. Most thought it was going to be after week nine by heading into week 10 against the New Orleans Saints. It wasn't. It was earlier. I felt the expectations. They, they matched well in that regard. Second-round pick, George Pickens. I got to say that the expectations that were set last year were also, um, they were not only met, I think they might have been exceeded. Some people said, you know, he's been injured a lot, coming off of a knee injury as a senior season in Georgia, very raw, 
Uh, but nonetheless, we'll see how it goes. Nah, so I'm thinking about this, thinking about how he played last season. And now I'm starting to think, well, in this case, I think George Pickens proved that he's he's a lot more well-rounded than we all gave him credit for. So in that, I think he exceeded those expectations. DeMarvin Leal, everyone said that the reason why he fell to the third round was because he was a tweener. He didn't really have a home. Was he on the defensive line? Was he a linebacker? A defensive end in a 4-3 defense? We know the Steelers don't run that style, but still that's kind of where he was. I think he he fit that mold of a tweener. He said he, you know, they had him lining up at outside linebacker sometimes. They had him at defensive end or defensive tackle in some instances. They also had him standing up in the middle at times. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there, but I, I don't know if DeMarvin Leal, at least in my case, had some clear-cut expectations last season. So it was tough to either overshoot those or undershoot them. That's what I thought. So Calvin Austin the third was a guy we all had high hopes for, fourth-round pick coming out of Memphis, and he just never saw the field. And so now now the expectations shift to this season. You know, is this Senquez Golson 2.0? Is this Tree Archer 2.0? My gosh, you hope that he sees the field. So, so far, so good. I still believe that the release of Anthony Miller is a good sign for him. But Calvin Austin III didn't meet any expectations because he never saw the field. Connor Hayward, everyone said, how's this guy going to fit? He's only going to play special teams. I think by the end of the season, Connor Hayward proved that he can be a valuable asset to the offense. And a lot of people might disagree. I think that he did a phenomenal job with the limited snaps that he was given, making plays. We remember plays like the big touchdown, or I'm sorry, Big catch and run against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home. Big touchdown in Atlanta. Another big reception against the Cleveland Browns in the regular season finale. Started to make those plays. I think he'll have more of an influence this year. Chris Oladokun doesn't even make the team. Mark Robinson, he's in the mix for inside linebacker as a seventh-round draft pick. So take that for what it's worth. That's kind of where we were last season. Some of those players exceeded expectations. Some of them maybe did not i.e. Calvin Austin III. But nonetheless, we'll take a look at this. This season, this 2023 draft class, seven players selected. Let's see, and I'm going to try to set these as realistic expectations. So I'm not saying this is the ceiling, this is the floor. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying these are what I feel are the realistic expectations for this group. So let's start at the top. Broderick Jones. I'm going to be honest. After listening to Alan Saunders on Monday, if you listen, if you if you missed that Let's Ride podcast, I highly encourage you to go back and check it out. He has talked openly about a lot of these players, so I'm going to be referencing that conversation. Oh, but he's not alone when he said that Broderick Jones is a little rough around the edges. Uh, our own Jeffrey Benedict, Dave Schofield, all these people, uh, even Kevin Smith, said, "Look, this guy's going to maybe take some time." So my expectations are now adjusted based on what I'm hearing, what I'm reading. And a lot of that is that I don't have really high hopes for this guy in his rookie season. I would rather be pleasantly surprised. And I know there's that section of the fan base that says, well, Jeff, they traded up in the first round to get him. You can't not start him. I disagree. Uh, you only you don't want to throw your left tackle out there if he's really not ready. When you do that, if, if you do that, so if you say, all right, I'm to he's the first round pick. We traded up, leapfrogged the Jets to get him. He's playing no matter what. You know what that does is it puts your quarterback in jeopardy. That's not a good, that's not a recipe for success when you have the San Francisco 49ers coming in in week one, the Cleveland Browns in week two, and then you go to the Raiders with Max Crosby in week three. You just, it's not a recipe for success. So I, I don't have high hopes for Broderick Jones in this first year. If he earns it, that's a key word. If he earns it, then great. I'm excited. I'm all in. But right now, 
tempering those expectations. Let's see how he does in training camp. They're going to give him every opportunity to win that job. But if Dan Moore has to play for about a half a year, I'm fine with that. I really am. Let's go to second round pick, 32nd overall, Joey Porter Jr. What are the expectations for this guy? I think that early in the season, you're going to see him as a sub-package contributor. And what that means is that there's going to be specific it's dime, maybe a certain coverage look. They're going to want to get him on the field to maximize his skill set, his length, his speed. And one of the things that they have to understand is that the Steelers are finding this out as they go, is that he's not a finished product. There's a reason why all these other corners were drafted well ahead of him. Doesn't mean he's not going to be a capable corner down the road. It just might not happen right out of the gate. Let this guy develop into a into a larger role as this season progresses. I could see an instance where by season's end, Joey Porter Jr. has a spot that is a regular in the defense, not just as a sub-package player, but maybe he is with nickel. He's the outside guy. As someone like Levi Wallace flexes inside, that is an option. Keep that in mind. To me, some of these expectations with Joey Porter Jr. feel a little bit like Kenny Pickett last year. You know he's going to get there eventually. It just might not be in week one. Let's go to the second second round pick, Keanu Benton. Here's, here's the kicker, and this is something that Alan Saunders said on Monday, and it was simple. If they're only going to have him be a nose tackle, you can't expect him to have much of an impact this season. Why the Steelers don't use a nose tackle that often? So if you're playing the Ravens, yeah, they're going to have an increased workload. Why? The Ravens love to run the ball, or at least they did in the past with Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator. He's gone. We'll see. But still, you understand what I'm saying. If he's only going to be the nose tackle and he can't flex out to defensive tackle or even play even a little bit of defensive end, I don't have high expectations for Keanu Benton this season either. More positional than capability. How fast can he pick up the defense? How fast can he show that he's capable outside of playing just a that plug in the middle in the nose tackle? Again, just like Joey Porter Jr., I could see his role expanding as the season ends. The hope is that he becomes a rotational piece in that second, not, not the secondary, along the defensive line by the season's end. Now we go to round three. Darnell Washington is the third round draft pick, fourth pick overall. I think this is a player. Out of everyone that I've mentioned so far, and even out of all the draft pl- drafted players, seven total, he is the one that's going to have an immediate impact, in my opinion. It might not be with receiving numbers. It might be as a blocker, and there's nothing wrong with that. If Darnell Washington comes in, and he is mauling guys, and he can provide Pat Fryermuth from not having to be an inline blocker as much, that is a win, and that is an, a huge impact on the offense. Get Pat Fryermuth in space, You'll see more, maybe not the shiftiness of a Travis Kelsey, but you'll see more of those type of playmaking ability, that type of playmaking ability from Fryermuth when he doesn't have to be in line. So if Darnell Washington can do that, that's already a win. If Darnell Washington can start to become more multifaceted, and what I mean by that is, yes, he comes in and he's in blocking situations and everyone's going to say, well, here they go, they're going to run the ball. Why? Because the big guy's in. If the big guy can all of a sudden release run a seam route, play action pass, you start hitting him down the middle, and you start connecting on a few of those, and all of a sudden the big guy coming in doesn't equate to a run. The big guy coming in means we don't know if he's going to go out for a pass. He's basically treated like a two-way tight end. That could have a huge implication on the Steelers' offense in a positive way, and that's what I can see for Darnell Washington right out of the gate because what they're asking him to do is what he already is good at, blocking, and if he can build off of that, fantastic. You go to the fourth-round pick in Nick Herbig, 
I just don't have high hopes for this guy at all. Once they signed Marcus Golden, I felt that his role does decrease tremendously. I think he will get a helmet on game days, but I think he's going to be strictly a special teams guy. If he can prove his value on special teams, and I'm talking about being that special teams demon, runs down the field trying to make a play, then you've got a spot on the team. You've got a spot on the active roster. That's what he should be shooting for at this stage. You go to the seventh round because there was obviously no fifth or sixth round pick. Corey Trice is what everyone's talking about or who everyone's talking about. And I'm going to trust what I hear. And I'm going to trust someone like Alan Saunders, who I talked to on Monday. And when he said that he could play early, even if it's only in specific situations, I believe it. So my expectations, though, I keep this in the back of my head. Just like I said to Broderick Jones in the first round pick, I don't really have high hopes. I'm not trying to get my hopes dashed based on the fact that Corey Trice isn't ready. I'm not trying to say that Corey Trice is is not that guy. So what I'm ultimately, ultimately trying to say here is that I think Corey Trice will play but I'm not having these lofty expectations that he's going to come in and set the world on fire. If he's nothing but proven depth, plays special teams, and is a spot player if necessary, then that's a win as a seventh-round draft pick. So keep that in mind. Lastly, Spencer Anderson. I was listening to the Steelers fix. I heard a story where the, the Kansas City Chiefs were trying to get Spencer Anderson. I had never, I had not heard that story yet. It was very interesting. To me, Spencer Anderson is going to have to really turn heads at training camp But I I think the practice squad at best is where he's looking. If he can find a spot on the Steelers practice squad, the fact, though, that another team was that interested in him kind of gives me a little bit of pause, thinking maybe he won't be able to make it through that whole waiver process of a player gets cut, he could be signed by another team. We shall see. He is very versatile on the offensive line. The Steelers love versatility, so that's what he has going for him. Now, here's the one thing I thought about. So as I wrote all this down and I took a look back, I was like, okay, I'm looking at all these notes that I wrote down and I'm seeing that they're all kind of jiving the same way, except for Darnell Washington, who I think can have an immediate impact. It's kind of a wait and see approach. It's kind of a, we don't, we don't need the Steelers don't need their rookies on day one. That's a good thing. People. Yeah. We all want these young players to come in and just set the world on fire and be great. That doesn't always happen. And in the Steelers history, it hasn't. Most of the time, these players take a year, maybe even two, to develop and turn into something that we are now known as household commodities, so to speak. So for me, I look at this and say, if they don't need their rookies right away, that's a good thing. Recent years have been the opposite. Go back to Kendrick Green as a perfect example. He should not have been starting at center. No way should Kendrick Green have been the starting center in Ben Roethlisberger's last year of his career. But they had to. They had no other option. So if these rookies don't contribute right away, do not treat it as if it was a failure. Do not look at these players as busts. That's not what it is. In all reality, them taking time to develop the Steelers, not needing them to play right away because of the quality of players they already have on the roster is actually a good thing. Do I think all seven players make the 53-man roster? I don't. I don't. I think six out of the seven do. And like I said with Spencer Anderson, hopefully he gets added to the practice squad and can stay in the system, develop, and continue to improve. Steelers have had success there if they can get him there. All right, folks. So there are my expectations for the 2023 rookie class. We're going to take a quick break. Right after this break, we are going to go headfirst into the mailbag segment. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
right, Steeler fans, welcome back to the second segment. It is Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. It is time for the mailbag. In case you don't know, you got to find me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Find me on Twitter. Every Tuesday morning, I put out the tweet. I put a funny gif in. This one was from the other guys. It was Mark Wahlberg where he's yelling, I'm a peacock. You got to let me fly. Such a great movie. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. But we had 11 people ask questions. or actually 11 questions, more not 11 people. I get it. It's a dead time. So I'm going to be able to take some more time with these questions. Let's get this started with Jeff Kenny. Jeff asks, Kendrick Green was thrust into a tough situation to start his career. After two years with NFL coaching and strength training, does he have the physical tools and the athleticism to succeed with the Steelers? Could he be this year's Latrobe surprise? You know, he could be this year's Latrobe surprise. I just don't know if he will. The dude's always had the strength. That has never been the question. I think what it comes down to is that he's never really had the build to be a guard in the NFL, and he doesn't have the experience or the skill to be a center. He's kind of like a man without a home. So barring him having some huge jump in development, I don't necessarily see him being this year's Latrobe surprise. I do think he makes the team, but I just don't think he's going to wow people to the point where everyone's like, wow, how how are they going to get Kendrick Green on the field? I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think it is also fair to give these players some time to develop, in this case, Kendrick Green, two years, where, remember, drafted by Adrian Clem, Clem leaves, then you have Chris Morgan take over, he leaves at the end of the season, then they bring in another offensive coordinator who is the current offensive coordinator now, Pat Meyer. It's the first time in Kendrick Green's career that he has had the same offensive coordinator, I'm sorry, offensive line coach two years in a row. All right, let's go to RJ next. Just want to say thank you to the Steel Curtain Network. You guys make the off-season flyby and my work days easy. Nothing better than having two or three new shows a day to listen to. Go Steelers. RJ, thank you very much for the compliment. We do appreciate it. Uh, that has been our goal from day one is we had all these fans that said, hey, we love your stuff. And why don't you guys do more podcasts? And so we started doing a little bit more. And then I kind of said to Brian and Dave, I said, why don't we, we all should just start doing like three, let's do like a, our own radio station, you know, morning commute, lunchtime, evening, we've got you covered. And if you miss one, you can catch it the next day. And if you're someone that helped me, you know, there's a lot of people that drive a lot. Maybe you're a delivery person. Maybe you have a long commute. Maybe you're someone that whether you work, you can have your headphones in, you can listen to other stuff. We should have enough content for you. So I thank you, RJ, for the kind words. We appreciate it. Onward and upward with the Steel Curtain Network. Stay tuned for more. Let's go to Beer Bottle. That's actually the name. Not I didn't make that up. He said, hey, Jeff, could you ever see the Steelers using the same player to punt and kick in order to save a roster spot? In soccer, teams can forego a sub goalkeeper so they can get an extra bench spot per game. In rugby, the out half place kicks as well as from his hands. I don't know what that rugby reference was. Sorry, I'm not too uh, keen on that sport. Nonetheless, I did understand the soccer reference. Not a fan of soccer, but I get it. Yeah, there might be a few. I can't tell you the last time the NFL had a player who could do both. A lot of the punters, especially if they're Australian, can actually place kick as well. They probably just aren't necessary. They don't need them to do that. Trying to think if there was a game that Chris Boswell had to punt or if they had someone else kick. I know there was the game against Cleveland in Cleveland when Boswell got concussed and had to leave the game. They just didn't kick the ball, so they didn't even try to kick it. I'm not sure if Presley Harvin, I think he did maybe do kickoffs in that game. It just seems like that it's just, I could see it to answer your question, that I could see 
any any NFL team that has a guy that could do both and say, yeah, let's take it on. Think about like uh, Otani for the LA Angels. You know, you're, you're like the Anaheim Angels, whatever they're called. He can pitch and he can hit like crazy. When was the last time we saw a Major League Baseball player who could do both? And you have to go back to him as Babe Ruth for a guy that could pitch and be a, an, an effective pitcher and also hit for average and slugging, et cetera. It's a good question. Let's go to David Briggs. Jeff, with it being the down period of the NFL, what moment do you think haunts Steelers fans more? Number one, Neil O'Donnell to Larry Brown. He's talking about Super Bowl 30, the loss to the Dallas Cowboys, or Richard Mendenhall meeting Clay Matthews. Uh, he said, two, this year being the 15-year anniversary of the 08 team, will there be anything special planned at SCN for it? Now, let's let's take a little one step at a time. I think the first question of which moment haunts Steeler fans more is based on your age. So I was, you know, Super Bowl 30, it was 1995. You know, I was born, I was 12 years old. I was 12 years old at the time. But then there's someone like Jeremy Betts, who uh, he'll be on the show on Friday. He, he doesn't have many memories of that. He's too young. He He's seen it on clips and footage. He doesn't remember the game, though. It was awful. He does remember, though, the Super Bowl 45 uh, fumble with Rashard Mendenhall. So I think it depends on the age. I think the older the fan, they'll say the Neil O'Donnell. Uh, the younger the fan, they'll say the Clay Matthews hit. David Johnson missed the the block, nonetheless. Still, I think it just depends. It's like a recency bias. As for the anniversary, I'm not sure if we have anything special planned for it. I hope the Steelers do. I don't know if they're going to have a a game where they kind of honor that team and bring them back. I didn't even realize it's been 15 years. That that really bothers me. <laughs> not that it bothers me. It's just I cannot believe it's been 15 years. Now that I think about it, I know Dave's daughter and my son were born that year. The very first time was pretty cool to have your first child and you also welcome in a new Super Bowl with a new kid. There you go. Let's go to Heath Davis. He has several. El Jefe, it's been a long while. We are in the middle of talking season. Could you do a mid-off-season DEFCON update? I'd be down for a whole episode on it. You know what, Heath? You ask for it, you got it. This Friday, I'll do the DEFCON update. We'll do that in the first half. I'll even get Jeremy Jerome Betts to give me his DEFCON numbers in the second half. Uh, we'll see where we are. We'll see if we match up there. So be on the lookout for those DEFCONs on Friday. Let's go with Heath, another one. I might be in Pittsburgh for the first or second weeks of the season. If I was to go to a game, do you think I'd enjoy the 49ers or the Browns better? This will be my first Steelers game. So I would think, first, if, if it's your first game ever, I'd want to go to the opener. I'd want to go to the opener based on the fact that I, I think the 49ers, they're going to have fans there that's a – that's a national brand, just like the Steelers are a national brand. There's fans everywhere. But they're not going to be as strong as like the Browns fans that are trying to come down from Cleveland. So uh, you have less chance of, of probably dealing with idiots in the, in the stands, if that makes sense. But just for the fact they haven't had a home opener since Antonio Brown tried to knock the punter's head off for the Cleveland Browns, that place is going to be bumping. And so you want to get there. That would be awesome. I would choose the 49ers game, but I can also make a case for the Browns game considering you have the division ties there. Heath also asked if Pickett takes a necessary step forward that helps Pickens take a step forward. Which other players would see the most benefit from an increase in quarterback productivity? So I think this is twofold. I think Deontay Johnson and the, the pass catchers would definitely 
take a step forward with that quarterback quarterback productivity as you put said it but I also think Najee Harris in the running game would as well. If this, if the defense has to honor the passing game, it's only going to open up things in the running game as well. So for me, I think it's twofold. Last one from Heath. Jack Ham, Jack Lambert, Lamar Woodley, and Casey Hampton. If you could add one of them to the current roster, who do you add and why? That's, that's a no-brainer for me. Well, it's at least a toss-up between Lambert and Ham. I don't want Lamar Woodley. I'm fine with their pass-rushing duo. Casey Hampton, as great as he is, he just doesn't really fit in the modern NFL. It's a toss-up between the unbelievable coverage skills of Jack Ham, the Steelers could use that, or the absolute tenacity of Jack Lambert. If I could have them both, that would be great. I'm actually going to go with Lambert, though. There's, this defense could use that edge. That chip on their shoulder would be fantastic. All right, we've got three more questions, all from MDibs24. He said, my driver, he's talking about golf, is averaging air yards of 215 to 230. What do I have to do to gain a little more? So this all depends on your setup. It depends on your swing. You know, I, I've i always been a believer that uh, some people say, well, you got to put the ball a little bit further back in your stance. I don't. I actually think you want to have it up off your left heel if you're right-handed. So you want it in the front of your stance that way you're getting that ball on the upswing you're getting that launch point where it should be with the driver which is a lower lofted club and you really want to make sure you're getting that full turn the upper body the lower body they should work in concert as you turn and then uncoil and just unleash you know and i don't know you know your carry yards but what's your club head speed like are you swinging the club fast enough if you want to gain the yardage necessary off the tee you've got to swing the club faster what it's all about that's why all these guys you see the pros are always talking about club head speed velocity all that stuff so give it a shot go to the driving range and i i'm someone that obviously i'll have people video my swing i'm not ashamed of that it's a good way to kind of visualize what's going on and what you could improve upon and if you want to send me the video send it my way i'll take a look next from m dibs if you could add any Steelers inside linebacker in history to the team who do you choose kind of ask this or answer this with Heath's question I got to say, if I could choose any Steelers inside linebacker, not just Lambert and or Ham, even though Ham was an outside linebacker in the 4-3 defense of the Steelers of the 70s, I understand all that. Any inside linebacker, I'm still, though, going to make a change. I said Jack Lambert, but over Ham with Heath. I'm going to go with Prime. We're talking 2001, 2002, even though all the way up to 2004, even in 2005, the dude was just, he was great for a long period of time. James Ferrier. Give me Potsy. He could do it all. He could cover. He could definitely stop the run. I love that guy. Was one of the greatest free agent pickups in Steelers history. Give me James Ferrier as if I can pick one inside linebacker to come onto this team. Lastly, from M. Dibs, my cousin and close friend just passed away. My condolences, M. Dibs. I'm really sorry to hear about your loss. He was a diehard Cowboys fan who rooted for Pittsburgh unless they played the unless the Steelers played the Cowboys. Give me one Dallas player you would have loved in the black and gold. Okay, I'm gonna have to think about this for a little bit because there's been a lot of really good Dallas Cowboy players, and but not everyone fits. So a lot of feeling. I love Jason Witten, but I don't. I wouldn't want Jason Witten. Jason Witten played when Heath Miller played. I would take Heath Miller over Jason Witten. Um, you think about some of the current players. I thought Ezekiel Elliott was great early in his career with Dallas. Not so much when he started to get hurt. Um, I'm trying to think here. If I could pick any Cowboys player, 
I'm, I'm, I'm not a Michael Irvin guy. Neither was I an Emmett Smith guy, not a Troy Aikman guy. Um, definitely not a Tony Romo guy. If you listen to my podcast, you know, I'm not a Tony Romo guy, but, uh, I, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, this is a tough one. I guess, boy, it would be great when you think about, uh, uh the pass rushing possibilities with the current group that they have and possibly adding someone to the TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith. And what I'm talking about, think about Micah Parsons being on the Steelers right now. Isn't that crazy? Wouldn't that be insane? I guess we'll go with that. I'm sorry, I'm Dibs. I'm not a huge Cowboys guy. I've never been a fan of that fan base, the organization. So that's where I'll go with that one. But I'm, I am, I send you my condolences. Uh, thoughts and prayers go out to you as you go through that tough time. All right, that does it for me. It's been a good show. Hope you enjoyed it. We are slowly counting down the days until the Steelers report to training camp. We are on the 28th of June, so we're less than a month away. Stick with us, folks. We're not going anywhere. We've got some unique stuff coming up. Make sure you're ready for all that stuff. In the meantime, you know how we finish it out. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you on Friday. Peace.